season 3 of the Afro Masculinity Podcast officially begins. I am yours, always gonna be Onyango Otieno. You can call me Ricks Poet. We made it. We made it here. It's 2023. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm a happy motherfucker. <laughs> For this year, we're going to be involving more voices to help us with information, knowledge, conceptions, thoughts, and ideas on how to grow, improve emotionally, spiritually, physically. And if you're a guy, African man, man of black descent wherever you are on this earth you're asking yourself trying to figure things out trying to figure who you are you're in the right place it's always gonna be a journey you're beginning you're improving you're continuing this is the podcast to listen to and to start with I had a conversation with one Amira Zaki, who is uh, a sex educator based in London, UK, who tries to help women on how to have pain-free, penetrative sex. Amira has also had a harrowing experience with vaginismus. If you've never heard of the word vaginismus, Amira is going to be talking to us about it. If you're a guy, maybe your sex partner has been through it, will go through it, and you don't know what it is. This is the information you need to have because sexual health is paramount to our mental health, it's paramount to our relationships. All right. So we're going to jump right in. Amira is based in London, UK. And uh, I really do know this conversation is going to be beneficial to you. So let's get right on to it. And uh, yeah, here she is, Amira. Hi, Onyango. How are you? I am happy and fantastic. It's pretty warm in Nairobi, but I can imagine it's very cold where you are. Yeah, it's not too bad today. It is cold. It's definitely colder, I'm sure, than Nairobi. Um, but it's not too bad. It was snowing a couple of weeks ago, but it's no longer snowing. It's it's nice. It's not raining today. It's quite sunny. Um, it is cold, but um, it's okay. I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> What's, what's the average temperature if you say it's not too cold? What's that average temperature? I'm not sure what the temperature is today, but if it's anything above 10 degrees, which it kind of has been recently, it's all right. I mean, obviously, when it was snowing, it was in the minus figures. Um, but recently, it's been a, a, about 10 degrees, roughly. Um, so it's, that's okay for us. Like, it's not too cold. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really still really, really cold for us. Yeah. Extremely cold. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Hi, how are you doing today? How's your day going? Yeah, really good, thank you. I had a nice, easy morning. Um, I did a workout and took my kids to school and then just kind of been doing a few things around the house and that's about it. And now I'm talking to you. So it's been an easy morning. Um, Haven't really done any work, like business work today. So that's why it was quite easy for me. How about you? How have things been for you today? Yeah, I I had a really easy morning today. Um, Woke up really psyched up for this conversation. So many people were asking me, what is this vaginismus thing? Never heard of it before. And I was like, yeah, that's a good thing that you're asking because um, today we we do get educated about it. And um, I had a lot of self-reflection as well about um, this, this conversation because I've not really seen it happen on a public forum before. And I think that's why your work is very inspiring to me because uh, these are experiences many people actually leave with a lot of shame 
having to talk about and i was like oh my word there is somebody who's really bold about this and uh, teaching other people about it you know so that's 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 really uh inspiring so let's get right into it because we're trying to make this uh get under an hour um who is amira who would you tell us amira zaki is and is that the proper way to pronounce your name as well yeah it's amira and just let me check is it onyango is that your the way yes onyango is Okay. Yes. Yeah, and Amira is how I pronounce my own name. Um, who am I? I mean, that's a really deep question. I'll kind of, kind of just go into what I do, I suppose. And I live in the UK. I'm married. I have two kids, um, and I run a business called Amira Zaki Wellness. And really, the business aims to empower mostly women um, with education about their sexual anatomy. Um, it kind of started. It, the, the company was founded with its main purpose being to help women overcome vaginismus. That was the kind of main goal of the business originally. And then as I started helping women to overcome vaginismus, I saw that a lot of women needed help with pleasure and sexual pleasure and being able to enjoy sex. So the business kind of continued helping women in that direction. And then, you know, some women would have kids and they would want to educate their own kids about sex, but wouldn't know how to do that. And so I also empower adults to teach their own kids about sex. And it kind of all is interconnected because vaginismus, I believe, one of the biggest causes of vaginismus, and we'll definitely talk about what vaginismus is, but it's basically a condition. And I, I feel like one of the main causes of vaginismus is a lack of sex education. Um, so that's really what the company is, is trying to bring sex education out there and trying to, uh, you know, make sex education and talking about sex less taboo, uh, especially within the Muslim community, but not only. So the work I do is not exclusive to just Muslims. I happen to work with a lot of Muslims. I think that's just who I tend to attract because I'm visibly Muslim. But I do work with clients and customers who are not Muslim, Christians, Hindus, etc. So um, I'm really grateful that i get to do this work um and it all started with my own journey we can definitely talk about that mm. i want to take you back to when you were 13 years old when you were hearing your girlfriends talk about this sex thing yeah. and you know you are all of a sudden curious like oh is this usually this painful um if you could take us through that moment because i think if i'm not wrong that's among the first times you heard about sex and that you knew sex was a thing yeah. uh what was that experience for you for people who don't know that story what was it for you and um how did it come to manifest later in your life yeah that's a great question so to give you a little bit of background um i went to an islamic school for my primary school so from kind of the age of three or four up until about age 11 that my primary school was Islamic. And so the sex education we received in school was very basic. Um, I don't believe they didn't teach us about sex, but they did teach like they had a separate class for the girls and they taught us about our periods and a separate class for boys and they taught boys about puberty. That was kind of the only sex education I received in that Islamic school. And then after the age of 11, I went to a regular secondary school that was mixed, mixed backgrounds, mixed religions. Um, and so, yeah, roughly the age of 13, I remember one of the girls in that school uh, was talking about sex and she basically was saying that she heard that sex for the first time for a woman is really, really painful and there's lots of blood. Um, and I think part of that conversation involved someone mentioning the hymen and I didn't even know what the hymen was, but someone mentioning the words like something has to break and something has to tear and there's lots of blood. And so... I remember that was quite traumatic for me. I was really, really afraid just listening to those stories that that girl and some of the other girls around us, they were all kind of sharing their perspective and opinions about sex. And so to go from that Islamic school where I didn't really know what sex was or wasn't really taught about sex to then learning about sex. And we did learn about sex in, in our science classes in that school. And we also had um, kind of health classes where we were taught about sex, but to hear kind of personal stories shared amongst those girls. And I was quite a vulnerable teenager as most teenagers nowadays, we are, you know, teenagers in general are fairly naive, fairly vulnerable, but you know, are at that age where they are really curious and want to know about these topics. Um, so that was kind of my first exposure to learning about sex and talking about sex. Um, and it kind of cascaded into my journey and me ending up developing vaginismus, which we'll definitely talk about. Right. Yes. Yeah, so 
you know, there was that idea that, um, of course, from what you heard from your friends, that you, you know, when you're having it for the first time as a girl, um, you know, there's that tear thing that happens and it's going to feel painful and everything. And then you meet your boyfriend uh, when you're 16 years old and um, later get married to him two years later. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the time you are still very young, you didn't move in together immediately, which is a wonderful story when I was like finding out about you. Um, but then eventually, you know, um, as, it <coughs> or as it is for many married couples who are sexual, um, you gotta get to the act at some point, mm. right? And um, you did get there with your husband, but then uh, you start realizing that you are having a hard time uh, having sex. Um, and uh, it takes really long before you realize, oh, there's actually a condition and it has a name, mm. you know. Um, do you wanna take us through that journey? Yeah, definitely. So. As mentioned, I kind of heard those horrible stories at around the age of 13 about sex and it being really painful. <clears throat> and then I remember I didn't really think about it much more than that. So continued with the rest of my high school. At the end of high school is where I met my current husband. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a bit of a cold, so if I keep coughing, no that's problem. the reason. Yeah. So at the end of high school, I basically had to go to what we call a sixth form. So my most of my high school was a girls' school. Up until the age of 16, I had to move to a different school, uh, which is what we call a sixth form, and that's and it was a mixed sixth form, and that's where I met my my husband, um, and we got to know each other, fell in love, decided we want to get married, and it, we were definitely really young, but we just kind of wanted to do things within the folds of the religion and we knew that in islam we are taught having sex outside the religion is not allowed and so i was raised quite traditionally quite conservatively um and i didn't want to do anything to upset god and i didn't want to do anything to upset my parents and you know my husband was on board and he also comes from the same religion and so we were down to just getting married at the age of 18 right before we were going to start university um, we waited a year and then we moved out and that was when we were going to try and have sex for the first time. So I just want you to imagine your like imagine being a female hearing horrible stories about sex and it being really painful for the first time and then trying to have sex. So going from horrible, horrible memory to then trying to do the actual act. And so naturally my body was reacting because I had that stored memory, that stored trauma within my brain and within my body. And so when I did try and have sex for the first time with my husband, it was pretty much the way that the girls described it. It was really, really painful. I don't remember there being any blood because it was, I was so terrified that I just couldn't actually do the whole act. We tried and kind of as soon as my husband's penis tried to go in, I remember feeling intense pain. Like it was really, really painful. Um, I think I screamed and I told him to get off me and he, he listened straight away and I just remember shaking and just feeling terrible and feeling like I don't know how how a woman can do this. How can a woman put herself through this experience of it being so painful? And so we, we kind of left it. We didn't try again immediately. We tried maybe a few weeks later. But the same thing kept happening. It kept on being painful. I kept on fearing it. I kept on dreading it. And it just seemed to get worse. It seemed to get more and more painful. And it was a very dark time for us within our marriage. And we were obviously very young. Um, but eventually, it, you know, going through that whole process, it put a toll on our marriage and it affected our relationship emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, so we were both in a very dark place and we didn't know how to get through that until I thankfully kind of did some research and discovered that what I was going through is an actual condition and it's called vaginismus. And essentially what vaginismus is, it's a condition that a woman goes through where the pelvic floor muscles surrounding the vagina, those pelvic floor muscles contract, causing the vagina to become very narrow. And if any object tries to go into the vagina when the pelvic floor muscles are, are contracted, that that it will she will feel pain it will be very very difficult it like i say any object because 
um, it doesn't just apply to sex. It doesn't just apply to a, a penis going in the vagina. It could be when a woman's trying to insert a tampon. It could be when a woman goes to get a uh, kind of vaginal examination done by a medical professional. Um, if those things are really difficult and painful, it's an indicator that she may be going through vaginismus because obviously it could be something else. It could be an infection. It could be a physical abnormality. For me, there was no infection. There was no physical abnormality. It was vaginismus. And um, like I said, my belief is that one of the main causes of vaginismus is either a lack of sex education or perhaps the person received some kind of sex education, but it was clouded by myths or misconceptions or horror stories kind of thing. Um, and that was definitely the case for me. Um, so it was this process of me unlearning those myths and, and educating myself about the truth with regards to sex in alignment with my religion. Um, and eventually I was thankfully able to overcome it. And, and that's why I'm really passionate about doing this work to either help women who are going through it, because there are lots of women who go through it. Uh, and even more so than that, my passion is really trying to prevent it from happening in the first place. And that comes from sex education. Yeah. So I'm, I'm betting that uh, we, you also try to teach people that it's not like there's not, nothing is wrong with their body. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with the body. It's a physical reaction typically due to a mental and emotional state that the woman's in. So her feeling fear or feeling stressed um, causes the physical reaction of her pelvic floor muscles contracting. But not just that, um, usually when the pelvic floor muscles are contracted in the woman, she doesn't actually know that they're contracted because it's, it's not like I'm kind of moving my hands now, I can tell that I'm moving them. It's like a very subtle feeling within the body and you can't see it. So a woman can't always tell whether the pelvic floor muscles are contracted or not until you kind of teach her to tune into her body and then she'll be able to kind of work out whether they're contracted or relaxed. And I teach a lot of women how to get their pelvic floor muscles to relax in order for penetration uh, to be pain-free and to be easy. Yes, I, I, I find that really powerful what you're doing because I think even earlier in my sex life, um, you know, there could be one or two instances where something like this happened, but there's just that socialization that, you know, once I'm ready to penetrate, the woman should be ready as well. And mm -hmm. when, when that is not possible, then something is really wrong with her, you know, mm. and then you go out of there thinking, oh, um, I should never speak to this person again, or they didn't want me, or, um, you know, there's something that was going on that they didn't want to tell me, while mm. in many, many instances, they themselves don't even know what's going on with them in that yeah. moment. They, they might want to be with you, they might want to have sex with you, but for some reason, um, there's a physiology around their psychology that has just clogged up, you know, um, that area. Um, and so it's really like coming to be more important that we get out this information just so that if anybody is going through something like this or might go through it, um, they just are aware that, oh, this could be the reason it, it actually has a name and there is, there is also a way out. Um, but I'm also quite curious. Um, I mean, you and I, in, in, in many other ways, we've grown up in uh, cultures that have been conservative around sex. Yeah. You know, um, even in an African household, um, being Kenyan, I mean, my parents never, I'm 34 years old now, never in my life has my dad, my mom, my uncle, nobody has ever sat me down and like, you know what, Onyango, this is how, you know, you, this is what sex says, this is what pleasure is, this is what you do when you're here with this and that mm -hmm. with a woman. Um, and, and yet, by some reason, my society also just expects me to just know things to know how what, how pleasure works um you know um to know how to have sex to know how to cater to my partner like that um but there's no avenues for information at all if anything much of it has come via porn um but then at some point it got to you that this 
this is something that you really want to do like for example in the beginning okay you realize okay this is vaginismus i've, I've been through it i want to help uh women around it with the coaching but then you expanded it a little bit into sex education as well yeah. have you received some kind of backlash from your culture your society um the fact that you're also a married woman doing this kind of work do people look at you funny and they're like ah you know you're not supposed to be doing this is too much or whatever or is it unsafe for for islam like at this things you experience or life has just been so good for you in that department <laughs> no i wish the latter was true unfortunately there <laughs> has been um there has been quite a, a fair amount of backlash towards me um a lot of it is on actually all of it is online meaning oh. trolls or people on social media especially um who will comment or send me messages saying that you know it's not my place as a muslim woman because I I think the issue for a lot of the the people who kind of leave either hate comments or negative comments or who kind of verbally abuse me um I think the issue is because I'm visibly Muslim because I wear the head scarf and tr- traditionally the head scarf is associated as something that Muslim women um sometimes wear not all Muslim women but you know when you see a woman covering her hair in the way that I do most people associate it with Islam or the Muslim faith and so if and, and and unfortunately quite a lot of the backlash i receive is from muslims men and women um because they were perhaps taught that sex is something that shouldn't be talked about or sex is something that is private which it is sex is a private act in and of itself um but i think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of shame associated that certain people have when they think about sex or talk about sex because of the kind of religiosity attached to it where a lot of people have been taught that in Islam you can only have sex within marriage um and people who have sex outside of marriage are dirty or sinful and so perhaps when someone sees me openly talking about sex they associate the same sin and the same shame with the work that I'm doing rather than seeing that rather than kind of going back to the source and and looking at the life of our prophet muhammad sallallahu peace peace be upon him um and he openly talked about sex he encouraged the act of sex with marriage he was very sex positive uh, he talks about pleasure he talks about the rights of women and how you know a woman within a marriage is she has a right to receiving pleasure and so on but they don't they either don't know that or they kind of ignore that and they just kind of you know look at me being a muslim woman and think that i i have no place to talk about this um so yeah unfortunately i have received backlash but thankfully or thanks to god i feel like i have the mental and emotional strength to kind of ignore those comments i don't really pay much attention to them um sometimes they surprise me like some of the comments and what people say within those comments when i kind of reflect on it it, it makes me feel really sad that they hold that belief because I can only imagine that if someone ha- holds a belief like those comments then it's going to affect them in their life sexually or not and so I just feel sad when I see those comments and I just continue with the work that I'm doing because the work I'm doing is is for the people who want my help so if you don't want my help then you don't need to follow me you don't need okay. to you don't need to believe what I'm sharing um so yeah right and um I mean being that you're married i i i do know definitely there are people who wonder like oh uh, how is your husband um comfortable with this kind of work that you do uh, what kind of a man is he um and of course i mean i have had the privilege to be exposed to your work um but of course and again i'm actually selfishly doing this for the men so that they can see that these are issues that are possible to happen within marriages and relationships and that um you know we can always maneuver these experiences with our partners as opposed to just taking off at the mere sight that something is wrong um perhaps you could share with us as well like how has how did your husband take this experience of, of uh, as well for him and uh, all through from 
you know, not knowing what's going on with you to uh, accepting this is what's going on to even supporting your business uh, idea in regards to now coaching and talking about uh, sex and vaginismus and supporting other women around it. What, what was the experience like for you from that beginning for him as well? Yeah, that's such a great question because when we when I was going through vaginismus, it was obviously difficult for me mentally, emotionally, and physical. It was painful, um, but it was also difficult for him as my husband. He didn't understand what I was going through, and he didn't really know how to help me because he didn't even know what vaginismus was. I had to kind of tell him, I've done this research, I found out about this condition, and this is how I need to treat myself. I need to use these dilators and things. And it was all very confusing for him because he had never been taught that and so we had to go on that journey together to overcoming it together and after we overcame it and we were finally able to have pain-free sex you know our lives changed for the better because we finally got to experience what we both wanted and so um mentally and emotionally we were in a much better place after we overcame vaginismus and so and then for many years after that i never really spoke about vaginismus um i i actually worked as a high school science teacher for the first five years after i left university and then i left my job because i had both of my kids within the time that i was working as a teacher left my job and wanted to start my own business and i had no clue what i wanted to do and i tried a few different things and none of them really were successful um and then eventually i kind of spoke to my husband and said i really want to I, I want to create a business that has a lot of impact that makes a big difference that i'm passionate about and i still had no clue and then i remember i put a video on youtube about my experience of going through vaginismus um the video is still on my youtube channel and i was i remember recording that video and i was really awkward when i would say the words like penis and vagina and when i mentioned vaginismus because it was my first time kind of talking about it in public on online kind of you know for the world to see essentially um but it was that video that i that i believe is kind of like the catalyst for where i am right now because after i uploaded that video on youtube so many women watched it and said I'm going through this, through this too. Thank you for sharing this. I feel less alone because you are going through the same thing. Can you help me? Because, you know, in the video I mentioned, I went through this thing. And if you're going through it now, you have hope. You can overcome it. Um, I've overcome it kind of thing. And so the woman watching that video would see that I've overcome it. And so she wanted my help. And so I remember getting a message from someone saying, can you help me? And that was my first kind of try at coaching a woman. I remember my very first client coaching her to overcome vaginismus and I helped her overcome vaginismus and, you know, had that conversation with my husband. I said, like, I've changed her life, like in her marriage, I've helped to change her life. She's now able to have sex with her husband. Uh, this is powerful. Um, and we in Islam believe that having sex within marriage is a highly rewarded act by God. Like God rewards you in this life and the next um, for having sex with your spouse. And so I kind of had a conversation with my husband and said, if I can do this with lots of women around the world, um, imagine the reward I'm able to get, but also imagine the reward he's able to get as my husband because he's supporting me in doing this work. He's not actively involved in the work I do, but he's there supporting me as my husband. And so, you know, he, thank God, he was, he's never had an issue with me doing this work, um, helping women with overcoming vaginismus. So um, that's kind of like the story. And uh, yeah, he's always there. He's in the background kind of thing, supporting me, helping me, guiding me. So I'm really grateful. I'm really lucky that, yeah. that he's my husband. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be definitely be pointing people to your website where um, they can catch that uh, interview where he also comes on board to just share his experience with you. I think that's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen anywhere because mm -hmm. we don't often get to hear of stories of men who stayed during yeah. this kind of experiences and they were very patient and they were also quite willing to share their own experiences about that ordeal because it took somewhat a year to to figure things out Man, that's not easy again well because in our culture many times i mean because we are in a patriarchal uh, world uh many times for example like when i marry somebody as a man most often you're also promised uh, the idea of good sex all the time you know 
even though it's not really realistic but you you have this thing that's what you've been socialized to believe you're always going to have good sex and you almost often um uh, expected from your spouse yeah. but then this is life hitting you in the stomach and it's telling you yo wait a minute brother that's not always what life is like <laughs> you know you yeah. have to prepare to adjust to different realities because you're not just you know um going to experience the one story that you are sold to so in your instance it just so happens that your wife is going through this situation now what are you going to do you have to confront yourself through it and many men sorry to say we run we mm. we run away we don't we don't want to deal with all that mess like oh you should have come to me when everything is okay and all that but yeah. then also it's to um also maybe even um highlight that there's very high uh, or, or there's a possibility that even when sex was okay previously vaginismus could still happen to your spouse even within the marriage even when things were okay before i think that's i think that's something possible no yeah 100% so i experienced vaginismus at the start of my marriage but what you've described is absolutely possible where a man and a woman could get married and they have sex and there's no issues they're able to enjoy sex um there's no pain for the woman it's it's pleasurable for both the man and woman and then something could happen that could trigger vaginismus within her and she could start to develop pain during sex and the pain could be caused by anything again i mentioned things like uh, a physical abnormality and infection but it could also be something related to stress or any kind of trauma that the woman goes through uh, it could be a surgery that she's had um an operation um being in a car accident um being on some kind of medication could be something emotional spiritual it could literally be anything like the list goes on and so any of those things could cause her to start then having painful sex or difficulty having sex or could cause her to no longer enjoy sex and not experience pleasure from sex there could also be issues within the marriage or relationship issues so there's so many different things that could cause that um and so you know i i think the most important thing is when you're in a marriage <clears throat> there are going to be times where sex is a struggle could be at the beginning middle you know of the marriage but wherever it occurs within the marriage sex is not going to be like this thing that you know some people think oh the sex should just get better and better and better and and hopefully that that's true for most people especially as they educate themselves about sex and they learn what they like and what their partner likes but there are going to be times where sex is a struggle and it's kind of like I, you can think of it the same way as health sometimes our health is great and sometimes it's not so great and it's it's trying to get to the root cause and not feeling hopeless that oh now it's always going to be terrible it's understanding that there's a reason that I'm struggling with sex or that my wife is struggling with sex and how can we overcome this as a team because being in a marriage with someone is teamwork and it's it's never about blaming the other person it's really about deciding that I'm going to step up and be a team member in this marriage and I'm going to support my partner and we're going to get through this together because even if the issue comes from the woman or you know it's her emotional issue that she needs to go that she needs to overcome i want men to understand that there are many issues sexually that men go through whether it's erectile dysfunction premature ejaculation and naturally if a man goes through that he would want his wife to be supportive and patient and understanding and would want his wife to try and help him get through that and overcome that and so it's not about blaming it's really about deciding to be a team with your with your partner um because it's i believe any issue you go through through in life is possible to overcome it when you have faith in yourself faith in god and when you find out how sometimes we just don't know how to treat something or how to overcome something but that's where education comes in when you educate yourself hopefully you're able to find a solution fantastic somebody has asked a very interesting question here i don't know if you have an answer to it but they ask do sex workers experience vaginismus yes definitely definitely um it's, it's a great question because actually some of my clients are people who work in the in the medical industry so i've had clients who are doctors and nurses who you know a doctor may have someone come to them who has vaginismus and they tell their patient what to do to overcome vaginismus but that doctor herself 
has vaginismus. So, mm. you know, the doctor prescribed something to the patient, but it's like a doctor typically is not able to treat their own condition. They need another mm. doctor to help right. them, even though they're a doctor. So the question is about sex workers. Yes, just because a person is a sex worker or, um, you know, a sex educator doesn't mean that they have no issues in their sex life. It doesn't mean that their sex life is the best sex life. It just means that they have knowledge in certain areas and they want to share that knowledge with others. But, you know, there's a difference between your professional life and your personal mm -hmm. life. So right. that's, that's a really great question. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> what, what would you say is among your biggest challenges in this area of work? What would you say are your challenges right now? <laughs> Um, I think the challenges, um, is people, I'm just trying to get the words out right. The biggest challenges I find is I want people to start seeing sex and sexuality, their sex life, their pleasure. I want people to see it as something that's really important because sometimes, like, I'll give you an example. Um, one like one i have several courses uh one of the courses is to help women with vaginismus another course is to teach women about pleasure and another course is sex education for kids the course that i have that is for vaginismus meaning to help women overcome painful sex so that they can actually have sex with their husband because if a woman has vaginismus she can't have sex with her husband or it's really painful that course has the highest number of, of people in that course because their goal is to overcome vaginismus. And typically it's because they want to kind of give sex to their husband. Their husband's never kind of experienced sex with them. So it's not always about the woman and her goal. Or typically it's because she wants to be able to get pregnant. And if she can't have penetrative sex, it's very difficult to get pregnant naturally. The other course for pleasure has quite a lot of uh, members in it, but not as much as the one for vaginismus. And the one for kids has a lot of members. So what I'm seeing is that a lot of women, unfortunately, are thinking about other people. They're either thinking about, I need to be able to overcome vaginismus so that my husband can experience sex, or I need to join this course for kids because it's important for my kids to learn about sex. But the course about pleasure, they don't see it as, as that important. And that is a challenge because I think that pleasure is the purpose of sex. Like mm. having kids as a result of sex is kind of like a side effect. It's kind of like it's... What I'm trying to say is, of course, there are people who want to have kids as, as a result of sex, but pleasure is the main purpose of sex. If you think about most people nowadays have two or three kids. So technically, you could have you could have sex two or three times in your life and have those two or three kids and never have sex ever again in your marriage. But most people don't want sex two or three times in their whole life. They want sex weekly or monthly however frequently however frequently they want to have sex so what's the purpose of sex it's pleasure why do you why do people want to have sex frequently it's because it feels good and i really want women especially to own that and to step into that and realize that pleasure was created for both the man and the woman um so that's the biggest challenge for me is is um highlighting the importance of pleasure when it comes to sex because <clears throat> some women don't believe that it's important for their health and i really believe that your sexual pleasure and your sexuality is part of your health because we hear the term sexual health and our sexual health is really important um so yeah i'd say that's a challenge um another challenge i'd say is is for women who are not married or people who are not married who are really struggling with with their religion and trying to abstain from sex um, and I, I believe there's not, there's, that it's very noble for a person to choose to, to adhere to their religion. If they decide, you know, okay, God's told me to, to engage in sex when I'm married, but I'm currently not married, but I'm also being realistic in that, you know, I have this desire for sex. How do I manage that? What do I do with that? And, you know, society can tell us, you know, it's fine, just have sex or, you know, God loves you and it's fine. And But everyone is different and some people hold on to their religion quite firmly and say no i really want to follow this but so how do we help those people because yes it is very easy to kind of have sex outside of marriage and i'm not saying anything judgmentally i'm just saying how do we help those people who do want to maintain their chastity and who are not married right now or haven't got anyone in their lives that they're able to marry and so they're really struggling with that desire for sex but also wanting to maintain their religion and so that's another challenge that i have is, is trying to help those people as well 
Yeah, that's uh, those are two very big problems you have there. Um, trying to make people understand that, yeah, you can have sex to have kids for sure, but then there is a pleasure point which yeah. you're trying to communicate, hey, people, this something is here to make you feel good. It's not just for you to procreate all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and you know, actually the other thing about that is um, from the outside, especially I, I grew up in a Christian home, um, and um, I mean, those religions with Islam have very similar tenets as well. Um, yeah. But then in my country, we are, let's say, around 80, 82% Christian by the book. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and Islam is the, the next in, in how, how much we practice it. Yeah. Uh, much of the idea that has been sold to us about Islam is that it's extremely conservative um, and that, you know, even conversations around sex, those are things that are not there. So mm -hmm. it's very empowering as well to hear from you that uh, these are issues that uh, Prophet Muhammad himself had centered um, in, in in people's well-being, mm -hmm. you know. So that's very rare to hear because I don't even get to hear that in Christianity, you know, so I'm very encouraged to know that, um, you know, you, you, you're basing this as well in a very strong um, uh, uh, Islamic foundation that you can have backup with uh, to encourage people to get out a little more, you know, so they don't have to fear all the time from the other socializations that have gotten about what this sex really is about. Um, yeah. And of course, the other issue around... Um, uh, helping the people who want to stick to the quote-unquote rules of their religion where um, they are told, okay, um, you are only, you only ought to have sex within the confines of a marriage, but then they still have sexual desires, which most times, again, also are also shunned or shamed because, um, I mean, Today it could be different in many in many ways, but with the world we are coming from, those kind of ideas were never condoned. That oh, you can only think about sex after you're married. You can't think about it when you're not married. And then now today we are also uh, um, alienating the people who want to say that they, for them, they still want to stick to that because they they have the agency to choose. They have the freedom to choose. They still they wanna have sex only when they get married. But then we have totally forgotten about them. You are saying, oh, you do what you want. You can still have sex, but they don't want to have sex. And yet they still do have the desires to do that. So I really do pray that you get the wisdom to maneuver through that because that's, that's not easy stuff. Perhaps the last question of the day um, would be from uh, Al-Hadi Ali. And he's asking crazy question as well what's the appropriate age to start talking about sex to children i fear that teaching them earlier will give them an idea it's that it's okay to have it at an early age what, what do you say to that from your experience yeah this is a great question so um typically when people think about sex education they will think about it as kind of like one or two talks where you kind of sit down with your child when they're about to go through puberty and you kind of explain it then whereas i believe that sex education is so much more broad than that um, and a lot of the time we are kind of engaging in talks about sex and sexuality maybe without even realizing it so when we are talking about a, a girl and her changing body or when we are talking about you know uh, hygiene all of those things actually come under the umbrella of sex education so it's not just Sex education is not just talking to someone about the act of sex. It's a lot broader than that. It's talking about sexuality. It's talking about sexual health. It's talking about health in general. And it's, you know, so thinking about it in that, in that context is really important. So um, I want you to think about like a baby who's maybe two years old when they're kind of developing more words and language, the ability to communicate through language. Um, at that age, we might point to their eyes and their nose and their ears and they kind of know some of the different parts of their body. I want us to be, uh, to become more accepting and willing to include the sexual body parts as well, because typically people will kind of not teach their kids about those body parts or they will use a different word so you know instead of the word penis here in the uk they may use the word willy instead and there's nothing wrong with saying willy if you want to but using the actual word so that kids understand that there's nothing shameful about that body part and the same for the word vagina or the word vulva and using the proper appropriate terms 
that can happen from when a child is really really young and so that so to answer that person's question it's a conversation it's conversations you will have with your children as soon as they kind of start understanding words and typically it's roughly you know it could even be a less than the age of two educating them about their body parts to start with and then as they get older and older you know if they start to go to a school especially or they are not fully within your care the whole day it's really important to educate them about sexual safety and what is appropriate touch and not appropriate touch so that's really early to do early on but actually even if they don't go to a school sometimes they may be cared for by other family members or friends and as much as we would love to be able to trust all our family and friends sometimes you just don't know and unfortunately quite a lot of sexual abuse comes from those members of family that are close to you or within the same home so it's really important for kids from a young age to know the difference between what's appropriate touch and what's not appropriate touch and for them to be able to feel empowered from that age to feel safe to tell someone to get help if they need to so um the person's question was also that they feel worried if they talk about sex to their child that child may become kind of too curious and want to have sex at an early age or want to have sex outside of marriage um actually the reverse is true typically what happens studies have shown if parents avoid talking about sex naturally as the child maybe gets to the age of 9 10 11 they're going to start to be curious about their changing body or about sex and if they are if they don't receive that education from their parents or if their parents kind of shut down those types of questions about sex the parent the, the, the child's curiosity just grows stronger and stronger and the child is going to take it upon themselves to try and educate themselves either by going online and unfortunately that's really risky because a lot of the information online can't always be trusted when it comes to talking about sex or educating about sex or you know a child may go to school and be exposed to a pornographic image or a pornographic video and that child may assume that that's what sex is meant to be like so it's really important that um parents see that it's really healthy to talk about sex with your child from a young age and it's going to not lead to them being more, more curious it's going to fill their curiosity and so even if they are exposed to sexual images outside they know the truth about sex um in an authentic healthy way because they learned about it from the foundation from their parents from home mm. well which has made me think then wouldn't it be easier if uh parents also uh educate themselves as well about <laughs> sex before they can find a language for their children 100% it all starts from you so if i'm a parent i'm a parent uh i kids based on the knowledge i have and so it's really important that i educate myself first before i educate my children kind of like the analogy of when you're on an airplane you're told to put your own gas mask on before yeah. your child you can't help your child if you become unconscious because you didn't save yourself first you're not able to help your child so you can only educate your child to the level of your own education so um definitely take it upon yourself as an adult or a parent to educate yourself it doesn't need to take very long and you don't need to educate yourself in one sitting i really see sex education as this lifelong journey and i really mean it in the in this in the word lifelong like you could be learning a little bit about your body every single week every single day you could be learning something new and you can pass that information on to your children in an age appropriate way and and the main thing really is deciding that if you're a parent or going to be a parent decide for yourself that you are going to be an approachable adult that your child can feel safe to approach you with those types of questions and if you don't know the answer to something you can decide i'm going to find out with you like with the child or say to the child i don't know the answer let me find out and i'll get back to you and definitely get back to your child so that they don't uh, so so that you feel their curiosity and you and they feel satisfied by the answer that you give them mm. thank you thank you for that elaborate response um and i guess many people do ask or keep asking where do i start where do i start so i'd like you to actually tell us about your courses and how people can get to them um just so that you know possibly they could you know uh, contact you and figure out something with you that uh, they can learn more about all these uh, conversations that we're just from having Oh thank you so much. So the best way is is on my website and I have a link in my bio which has everything that you need in terms of everything on my website but on my main website one of the tabs there is called what we offer 
um, and that kind of breaks down the kind of products and services that my company offers. Um, the, the three main areas um, that we work with is to help women with vaginismus. So we have a course for that and we also offer coaching. Um, we have a course called The Pleasure Is Yours, which is really helping women to enjoy sex, teaching women how to orgasm, how to enjoy sex, how to manage their desire for sex and so on. And the other course is a course for kids. Um, and that's really empowering parents and adults to teach sex education to their kids. But what that course has is specific video lessons that kids can watch in an age appropriate way. So we break it down into age groups. So if you have a child of any age, really, they can join that course. You can join that course for them on, on behalf of your kids and they can watch the video lessons that are created specifically for their age. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I'll be putting up um, your page again uh, on my Instagram stories. So people have more ideas about <clears throat> Uh, the incredible work you do again um, I continue to be just wildly inspired um, by how much you've put yourself forward to educate people to um, inform us to uh, enlighten us it's really really encouraging and I'm pushing you forward um, say hi to your husband as well and, and your wonderful family uh, before we go do you have any question, questions for me anything I, I really want to know how you got into all of this. I'm really curious. I, I was looking on your page and I saw a little bit, um, but if you yeah. could share that with me, I'm curious to know. Well, my internet happened to go off before we were really, really done with that last part. But basically, it's as you've heard it. Uh, you can find Amira Zaki on amirazaki.com. That is A-M-I-R-A-H Z or Z. <laughs> aky.com she's a sex educator she also has her courses right there um you can um spread this information or share it with your friends or partner or partners and uh i i really think it's important that sex education is actually made basic to all of us because i feel so many people do struggle with these things but silently because we are we are coming from a lot of us sex is a taboo topic and yet we are having it and much of the information we are getting about it is in the entertainment industry from porn to movies to magazines and many times the people creating that content are actually just out to exploit us and not really help us maneuver through things so this has been a wonderful time just reflecting and listening in uh you know uh to to amira's ideas and what she's really trying to do with the information from her experiences and i do hope that that was something worthwhile till next time keep it together Share the podcast. I am yours, Onyango Otieno. Peace out.